every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. All right, my guest today is Joe D'Amico. Joe and his brother, Tony, own an incredibly successful mushroom farming business called Tojo Mushrooms, located in Avondale, Pennsylvania. Tojo is a fourth generation family business that was started in 1932 by Joe's great grandfather. Joe's late father ran the business for 27 years before turning it over to his sons. Tojo currently employs 425 people and sells 850,000 pounds of mushroom every week. For our conversation today, I'll be drinking what I refer to as Old Reliable, a Dogfish Head 60-Minute IPA. Being a lifelong Delawarean, we all take pride in the fact that Dogfish Head was started in a small town here and has become one of the best breweries in the entire country. Joe's office building has a fully stocked kitchen complete with a kegerator. They just had a fresh keg delivered, so Joe's going to be drinking a Victory Dirt Wolf from the nearby Victory Brewing Company located in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. And with that, I welcome Joe. Cheers. Cheers, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to have you. So uh, let's let's get the first question out of the way. It's, a, it's an easy one. So yeah. you have a fully stocked kitchen that I've been in that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, why don't we talk about what's on tap in the in the kitchen? What do you have on tap there? I kind of figured you'd ask that question, so I actually jotted down on my notes here, like I was going to be a waiter coming to your table. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so uh, we have a four gun uh, tap system in there, and uh, like as you said, we just got done putting fresh kegs in. Right now, we have Victory Dirt Wolf, which always goes on the left. So for some reason, Dirt Wolf. That's my brother's favorite beer. So for some reason, it's always on the left. Okay. So we'll go in there and that's probably the most vicious beer we have in there. Yeah. So I think it's like 8.9 or 8.9%. Yeah. I think it's, it's a strong one. I mean, two of these big boys and that's about all you can handle. (laughs) And this is is my second one. So, uh, show prep. We, we call that the far left. So if, if you go in and, and you really want to, uh, get the party going, we say, just give me one of the far left. That's always Dirt Wolf on the far left. Okay. Next, next we had, we actually have Dogfish 60 Minute. Oh, uh, perfect. And then uh, they put in a Sam Adams Winter Lager and a Modelo Special. Oh, that's perfect. Special. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good. Um, well, first, let's start and talk a little bit about Tojo. So tell me a little bit about your business. Yeah, so Tojo was started, um, as you said, we we're fourth generation my brother and I are, represent the fourth generation of our family um, to be in the mushroom business, and um, it's kind of kind of a cool story how it started. My uh, my great grandfather, he immigrated here from Italy, um, and he was a stonemason um, in Italy. So he came here, you know, uh, through New York City, um, and ended up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Somehow, I'm not very clear how that happened, but he was working there in Hershey, Pennsylvania, as a stonemason. <clears throat> and he came across a stone quarry here in Avondale, Pennsylvania hmm. that um, he purchased in the 1930, like 1930, 1932, because that was during the great depression. 
um, on the property of the quarry, there was actually mushroom houses that were already erected onto the property. Huh. So during the Great Depression, he was trying to figure out, you know, how do I best provide for my family? And he was utilizing all the resources he had. So he started growing mushrooms as well as, you know, doing a stonemason. Um, and it just kind of evolved from there. Uh, my grandfather was a second generation. He took over the, the he actually leased out the quarry okay. um, to another guy. So he wasn't as much in the, in the quarry business. Um, but he doubled the size of my grand, my great grandfather's mushroom farm. So then the third generation came in, my uncle and my father, um, where my uncle took over the growing operation that my grandfather had started. My uncle then took back the quarry operation, which he still runs to today. Yeah. Um, it's called D'Amico Quarry. So he still operates the quarry. Huh. And then at that time, my uncle's took over that growing. My dad started his own company at the time and he named it Tojo after my brother, Tony and me, Joe, where he did more of the marketing and sales of the mushrooms. So my uncle would grow all the mushrooms. My dad would buy all the mushrooms from my uncle and then he would take it to market and sell it. At the time he was selling a lot of his mushrooms into New York city into the Hunts Point market in New York city. So that's kind of how we got started. And as you said, my brother and I are fourth generation and we just continue to grow it from there. That's great. So your dad was sort of like a, in the distribution business and your uncle was in the growing business? hundred. Yeah, I mean, my, my uncle was fully immersed into the growing. Uh, I think my at one point, my dad tried to grow and he failed miserably at it. <laughs> <laughs> he told me stories about, you know, my dad told me stories before he passed about, you know, him trying to grow. And, and it's funny because as we'll go along through, through the story here, you'll, you'll understand that I'm more into growing than anything. And, uh, my dad failed miserably at it. So he, I guess at the time he figured he purchased the station wagon and, and him and my mom, they just started a company where they said, we're going to, we're going to buy all the mushrooms from Johnny, who's my uncle, and we're going to market them and sell them and try and, you know, make money that way. So that was the route that they went and it, it ended up working perfectly. That's awesome. So to this day, uh, my uncle's still a grower. Um, he produces uh, roughly 35, 40% of what we sell. And uh, he, he sells 100% of what he grows. He sells to, to my brother and I under the Tojo label. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. It's still, still a full family business. Was it a foregone conclusion that you were going to work in the, in the family business? Or was it something that you always wanted to do? Like more was... Were you expected to do it or were you excited to do it? I guess is the real question. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I'm, and, and that's a question that I get all the time. You know, where, where you, I was never, ever once pushed into to getting into the business. Um, actually, when I was in high school, I had zero, zero intention to go to college. Like I didn't even want to go to college. And um, my dad said, listen, here's the deal. I want you to go to college. You know, you got to you got to offer to go to college and play on the football team, go to the college, play football. If you hate it, you can come back home, but I want you to at least go try it. Huh. And um, honestly, it was the best thing I've ever done. I mean, I think college is so great for kids. Uh, um, it gives you a chance to get out of, you know, your hometown, right? see other people, you know, see how other people, what other people come from. Um, it gave me a chance to grow up. You know, you get out there, you drink, you know, the typical sure. party. 
And um, you get that all out of your system, right? You go to college and, and you get all that out of your system so that when you get done college, you come back and, um, and you get to work. I mean, I, 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 uh, I had zero intention in completing college, but I ended up finishing in four years. You know, I, I did have to stay a couple of summers and do a couple of summer school <laughs> to get done in four years, but um, it was the best experience of my life. And, yeah. um, you know, going from something that I thought that I would never want to do is go to college because I completely hated school, just like most kids. I mean, I, I, I wanted nothing to do with school, but the whole going to school, going to college and, and growing up, I think was it was huge for me. Yeah. Well, the college you went to is a little different than, than most colleges, right? It, it has a focus in farming. Yeah. So I went to Delaware Valley college, um, in Doylestown PA and my brother was actually two years ahead of me and he went to the same school. I actually followed him there. Um, so it's, it's been, you know, he was two years ahead of me. His best friend was my roommate, uh, freshman year. And, you know, I was a freshman and my roommate was already 21. So he was, <laughs> able, he was able to keep the refrigerator full. Uh, it was a, it was a great experience. And, and then, you know, having my brother there ahead of me, I, I had already had friends there before I even got there. And yeah, like you said, it's an agricultural school. Um, my brother was a food science major and then I was a, uh, just a business administration major. Okay. They did have, they did have an agribusiness program there but I didn't go down that track because it was more focused towards crop farming and cattle farming and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really think that it applied to me. I knew that where I was, I, and that's what, what I always told my dad, like, I'm not going to go to college and learn how to grow mushrooms, dad. Why, why do I need to go? And he said, you need to go to college to learn how to, you know, grow up and, and yeah. see, see, you know, get out there and see what, what's out there in the world. So, right. but it was a great experience. Um, college was great. And yeah, that was, that was college. Yeah, of course. So, uh, today what's your role in the business and what's your brother's role? Do you have two separate and distinct roles that are? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, basically when I, when I got out of, uh, college, I mean, I were, I worked here, you know, for my dad every summer through high school mm -hmm. and then through college. And then when I got out of college, um, my brother had already been here for two years. Um, and, Kind of a cool, kind of a cool story. My dad, you know, right before my brother graduated college, my brother tells a story in almost every meeting we go to. So I, so I <laughs> but uh, my dad called him one day in his dorm room and he said, "Look, here's the deal. Um, are you interested in getting into this business? Because if not, I'm going to kind of take a different track. Huh. I would if 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 you are fine. Mm -hmm. If you're not fine, but I just need to know." so that I can, you know, plan out my future. So my brother said, look, I'm interested in coming back, dad. So my brother came back two years ahead of I, and he started working for my dad and he, and he got involved fully immersed into the uh, sales and marketing aspect of the business. And, uh, you know, he took it to another level of food safety and things like that. Everything that he learned, you know, taking the food science background in college, right. he brought here. And, and at the time my dad made a big hire of a guy that, um, he wouldn't have normally hired if he wasn't looking for the future of the business. So my brother was here two years ahead of me. So when I got out of school, um, I knew that I wasn't involved. I, I wasn't interested in the day-to-day -day office job. You know, I didn't want to be sitting behind a desk. Yeah. So I actually, when I, when I got out of college, I went straight home and started working for my uncle. And my uncle was the one that grows all the, the uncle still grows all the mushrooms for us today. Yeah. 
so I started working for him for probably, oh, I got out in uh, 2002. I would say uh, for two years straight, I worked for my uncle. Uh, I helped him. Uh, he, he purchased a new farm very shortly after I got out of college. Um, I helped him start a composting uh, process. And I worked for him for two years, which was, it was a great experience. I mean, it's like an apprenticeship. Uh, yeah. That's another thing that my dad always kind of pushed on us was that I don't want you to just come home and work for me because I don't, I want you to go see what it's like to work for someone else. Granted working for my uncle was, it, it wasn't, you know, much different than working for my dad because I feel like my, my uncle's a dad to me now. Right. So I went and worked for him for two years, learned so much from him. I mean, it, he, he's one of the, one of the best growers in the area. And he told me everything. I mean, he was just every day. All he wanted to do was feed me every information out of his head that he had. Yeah. That was, that was a great two years of my life. And then, uh, I actually get choked up thinking about it. Yeah. Um, to be able to wash it down with some dirt. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and as you can tell, I'm, I'm like so passionate about our our company and our uh, family history that it's like this stuff just it comes so naturally to me to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I worked for my own for two years. Then my father got sick in 2004. He got diagnosed with a, a rare cancer called multiple myeloma. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, I was working for my own, and I was like, listen. I'm going to step back and I'm going to go back and work for, for my dad. You know, he got sick. He, he pretty much, he got diagnosed, you know, say today. And a week later he was in little rock, Arkansas, getting treatment for his, for his kids. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I, uh, so I came back, I said, look, I want to go be with my brother. I want to try and do everything I can to help him. Um, so I did that. And then, uh, as time went on, my brother and I had a bunch of different independent growers at the time. And as those independent growers had their transition out and they didn't have a next generation to come in, they came to us and said, Hey, are you interested in leasing our plant, our growing facility mm-hmm. and, and running it as, as yourself? So that's how, you know, today my brother and I have a growing operation that represents about 50% of what we sell as well. So we have our own growing operation as well as my uncle's growing operation, as I spoke to earlier. Yeah. As those opportunities presented themselves, my brother and I would take them over and, and we, were, we were just kind of taking over farms little by little by little. Right. When I came back and, and started working with my brother, that's what, what we started doing was focusing on, you know, the growers that we had that were growing for us that were no longer wanting to be in the business we were taking those farms over so that we were, because we were relying upon those mushrooms to come in every day. Yeah. So they went out of business and didn't sell us the mushrooms. We were out the mushrooms. Yeah. We had to find the mushrooms somewhere. So it was easier for us to take over their farm and to ensure that we had the product coming in. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, so difficult question, but was it always the plan for you and, and Tony to take over the business when you did, or was it sort of accelerated because your dad got sick? And you were super, sort of pushed to the front forefront. Yeah, super accelerated. My dad passed away when he was 52 years old. Wow. So, you know, I was, uh, when he got diagnosed, as I said, in 2004, so I was two years out of college oh, when he got diagnosed and, and he died in 2009, which would put me at 29 years old. So 
Holy crap. We were super young. I, I was 29. My brother was uh, 31 when my father passed away. So it was like, you know, it was just kind of, it wasn't dumped on us because as I said, he got diagnosed in 2004. So we had five years to actually, you know, we did calls like this. We, we, we installed a screen in our conference room where we could talk to him and see him. Um, so as we say, we, you know, we had five years to kind of prepare for it. Right. Uh, you're, you're never fully prepared. Right. Yeah. But we, and, and then I'll probably talk about it later on, but he, he always had a tremendous team surrounding him. That was yeah. his probably greatest attribute was his ability to surround himself with people that, that are just, you know, better. He, he would, he would even say himself, I want to surround myself with people that are better than me. Like right. not like I, I'm not trying to say that I'm the best. I want to have the best CFO. I want to have the best guy that understands the finances. I want to have the best operations guy. So that was his thing. And, and uh, my brother and I kind of keep that mentality to this day. So that's a huge leadership example where you, where you sort of say, you know, that you saw from your dad, like, Hey, I'm good at this, but not these other things. I want people that are smarter than me at those other things. A hundred, a hundred percent. I mean, that was my dad's biggest. I think that was his greatest attribute was realizing because, you know, a lot of business owners, they think that, Hey, I'm, I'm the owner of the company and I should be able to control everything. Right. Absolutely. Uh, he was the complete opposite. My dad was such a humble guy. Um, he would, he was always the one to say, you know, if someone's better at me than something, then I want to, I want to have them on my team yeah. to make, to make me better. You know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, and, and same thing with, you know, people always say, you know, Oh, you sell your mushrooms to Acme, but it doesn't say Tojo on it. And my dad would always say, it doesn't have to say my name on it. It, it has nothing to do with that. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not about, you know, me, it's about the, the company and the, the betterment of the company. So that's actually, so you use the word humble, but I think a lot of businesses are sunk or have issues because of the owner's ego and being able to see someone put their ego completely to the side and just want to do the best for the organization is that's a huge lesson to be able to be learned. I think that's probably, I mean, that's probably one of the most challenging thing because mm -hmm. as you know, you know, being involved in, in business and, and, and being involved with business owners, a lot of owners are that type A personality where they want to be up front and center and they, they want to be, you know, the powerhouse and that's fine. But um, at some point you have to understand that, that, that you need the people around you as well. Yeah. You have to set your ego aside for the greater good of the organization. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since you, since you brought it up, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the team because you go to your website, you can see that you're, you guys are committed to building a fun winning culture, not the easiest thing to do with 425 employees. Um, so talk a little bit about how you guys really focus on and, and ways that you strive to build that winning culture. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool. Like your, your questions kind of all morph into each other here, but as unfortunate as it was that, that my father passed away at a young age and he left the company to my brother and I at a young age, my brother and I were able to do things that maybe typically we wouldn't be able to do if we, if our father was here, right? Because right. the old mentality, yeah. you can't do that. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> There's no one here to tell us we can't do it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was guys that, that were working for us that 
kind of thought we were crazy at the time, you know, yeah. when we started on this culture, um, experience that we have now, um, some of the guys that work for us kind of looked at us side-eyed and like, are you guys crazy, you know, thinking this way, but eventually they bought onto it because they kind of understood where it was. But when it comes to culture and, and I know your, your question is revolved around culture and, and how we do what we do. Um, we always say, you know, it's, and it's not something that can be copied per se. You know what I mean? It's culture has to be, it has to start from the top. Mm -hmm. Right. So my brother and I both firmly believe in it. And I give most of the credit to my brother because he's the one that, that really pushed this and pushed as hard as he could to, to create this culture. Um, and, and I, and I saw it and I was like, yeah, this makes sense, but it has to be from the top and it has to go from the top down mm -hmm. and you have to live it every day. Yeah. It's not, it's not something that I hear so many companies that say, Oh, we want to change the culture of the company. Let's have a cupcake day. Like you, <laughs> you, you can't just bring in cupcakes one day and expect to change the culture of the company. Right. Right. I mean, you have to believe the owners have to believe it or the person at the top has to believe it. They have to live it. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to not only believe it, but live it every day in your actions, in the way that you, you know, treat your employees. Yep. There's so many things that are come in the culture that, that, um, you know, it's, and the great thing about it is not everyone can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can, if someone doesn't believe in it, I can tell them all day long what we do here and they'll never be able to copy it because if you don't believe in it and live it every day, it doesn't go down. The only way that I can describe how to good culture your company is it's not having cupcakes once a month or you can't or fake it happy hour and throwing a case of beer in the conference room and saying, Hey, let's have a beer together. You know, it's, yeah. that's not it at all. Yeah. So talk a little bit about uh, some of the events that you, that you guys do. So for your employees, you know, one of the, one of the things we did, oh, I'm trying to think of how long it's been now, but we, we, uh, we set out and this, and this was, I'll give hundred percent of the credit to my brother. He said, here's what we need. We both kind of take responsibility for this. Here's what we need. We need a guy that's going to be our culture ambassador. And oh. that was like something that was unheard of at the time. Right. Sure. I think it's probably been four years ago, maybe five. Um, we need a guy that's just going to be here and just be the guy to make sure everybody is happy. And, 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 and you know, you say that, but it, like, we really wanted that. It wasn't sure. like, it wasn't like we wanted to say, Oh, everyone's happy to come to work. We wanted everyone to feel like they're a part of the family. They they're happy to come to work every day. So he's like, we want, we need a culture ambassador. And I was like, I got the perfect kid. Right. So I knew this, I knew this kid. I had met him a few times. He's a friend of the family. Um, Spanish kid, fluent Spanish, like personality plus. Yeah. So, uh, I called this kid and I was like, Hey, uh, at the time, I'm like, Hey, uh, wh what are you doing nowadays? And he's like, uh, I'm actually selling phones for cricket wireless. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, would you be interested in coming down and talking to us? You know, maybe you could yeah, work for us or something. He's like, yeah, uh, I'm cutting the grass now. Uh, I can get a shower and I can come down there like a half an hour. <laughs> So the funniest thing that kid is with us today, he's in our HR department. He is one of the reasons that our culture is the way that it is today. And I was actually, I was sitting in the kitchen prior to this podcast and, and I was, uh, 
having a beer with him before this. So that's great. Things like that. Like what he does, he, he organizes, um, typically, you know, prior to the year 2020, we would have a celebration day where we would have different vendors come in, you know, French fried truck, Rita's ice cream, taco truck. Tacos were always essential. We've had Mexican street corn. We've had, and we would always have a band and we would have, you know, um, face painter, all kinds of things, different things. We would have that every year we would have what's called celebration day and we would have it all in one day. And we have a soccer field that we created for the employees to play soccer. It's my backyard essentially from where I live. Um, but it's right outside of our packaging facility. We would have it out there every year. We'd have a tent, all the vendors, um, this year, with COVID, we kind of had to keep our employees segregated a little bit. Yeah. So what we did was we did a spirit week oh, where, wow. ba- where basically we had the taco guy come in one day and we would departmentalize, you know, different departments would start at different times and they came in and they did tacos. And then the next day we had a the donut guy, the donut truck come in and we gave donuts and coffees to everybody. So we just did something every day for a week um, because we didn't want it to, just because of the COVID, we didn't want it to stop. As I said earlier, we didn't want to just have a, a box of donuts or something. Right. You wanted you know. to keep that culture moving. We want to keep that. We know how important it is to us and, and we do believe it and we do live it every day. So we wanted to make sure that no matter what, we made sure that our employees knew that we're still thinking about them. That's great. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, one of the things, you know, obviously you talk about working with your brother. Yeah. So I have two brothers and yeah. the thought of working with them every day <laughs> in close confines of a close office, that leaves a little bit to, to, to be desired. So what's it like working with your brother every day? So, you know, Funniest thing, you know, I, I always get this, the common questions that you're asking me. How how do you, how have you guys made it four generations? And and the second question is, how do how do you two work together every day? So many people say I could never yep. ever work with my brother. Right. Never. To be honest with you, man, I I can't imagine life not working with my brother. Like, it's uh, great. Work every day. I mean, he's my best friend, and. Every day I come in and, and we, we our, our desks are literally three feet away from each other. <laughs> you can't get we closer have, than we that. We have our desks side by side and a portrait of our father right behind us looking at us. That's amazing. So, um, I, I mean, I can't, like, I can't imagine anything else. Um, and as you said, you asked about our roles earlier. I said that, you know, my role was growing and Tony's is more sales and marketing. It's That's kind of morphed into we built such a great team in sales and marketing where we have excellent, excellent employees and our growing team is phenomenal too, that it allows my brother and I the time to spend together and focus on the future of the company. Sure. Uh, Where to be honest, him and I are together probably, I would say a hundred percent of the day, other than (laughs) going to the bathroom or something like that. Uh, We're pretty much inseparable. I mean, everywhere we go everywhere together, um, and, and it's just so great because there's always someone there, you know, when a problem arises, no matter if it's in the growing where it always comes to me. Yeah. Um, he's always right next to me to make the decision with me. If it's a sales, uh, you know, problem, you know, where the sales guy walks into our office, I'm sitting right next to him. So we, we typically make the decisions together. And I mean, we, we both have a mutual respect for each other that, you know, it just works. I, I'm not sure how. 
Yeah. But we're together pretty much a hundred percent of it every day. Well, that's great. And I could probably count on one hand how many times we've had a fight. So that, that really, that's amazing. That's literally amazing to be able to say that. And I think, I think that has a lot to do with our success is the fact that we get along so well. Absolutely. Um, And same thing. I mean, it's just, it just comes down to respecting each other and making sure that, you know, I respect your opinion. You respect my opinion. And and that's how I think that's how it works. Well, this brings up the ego part again, where you're both able to set your ego aside and do the best thing for the organization. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's obviously a quality that was instilled in us from our dad. I mean, it's, 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 he was a humble guy. I think he, he kind of, taught us that growing up, you know, you, you know, that you get, you, you need to respect each other and make sure that your opinion may be one and, and his opinion may be another, but at the same point, you need to come together and make sure that the opinion is what's best for, for the company. So yep. that's, that's great. Yeah. Well, you said that people ask you two questions. So I already asked you the second one. So let me go back to the first one. So okay. if you talk, you, you look at the statistics, yeah, 30% of family businesses survive moving from generation one to generation two, only 12% survive going to the third generation and less than 3% survive the fourth generation and beyond. So statistically you guys are already an anomaly, which is amazing. So what would, what do you think the main reason is that not only have you guys survived four generations, but you're actually thriving now and, and perhaps doing better than the company's ever done. Right. So, uh, I actually have a great answer for that question. Uh, my great grandfather, when he came over, he started. And then, as I said, my grandfather took over. For some reason, my great grandfather had this thing that he would never allow. <laughs> and this gets funny towards the end. He, would, <laughs> he, he never wanted his sons to be in business together. Therefore, my grandfather had a brother who said so my grandfather had his company and they, he never wanted them to be in business together. So my grandfather was in business and his brother was in business as well. Right. My grandfather's sons were my father, my uncle. Yep. My grandfather's brother's sons still are in business to this day and they sell their mushrooms to us as well. Oh, wow. Now those two were in business together. My dad and my uncle were never in business together. Never once. Um, They each had their own separate businesses. And I think that's... They always worked together. My uncle sold all his mushrooms to my dad. They always worked together, but they were never, their finances were never put together. Yeah. Right. Now here's where the, uh, so my, so then my dad (laughs) had the business with my brother and I, so here's where the kind of strange part is. My brother and I are in business together. (laughs) (laughs) We might not make it past four generations. (laughs) But, uh, that's what I contributed to. Um, None of the generations ahead of us were in business together. Brothers or not, they always had their separate businesses. Him and I have, uh, you know, we're 50-50 owners of this of this company. Yeah. And uh, as you, as I just explained, obviously, uh, we get along very well. Yeah. Um, you know, what happens, I, I don't know. At this point, our kids are obviously pretty young. Um, we don't know where it's going to go from here. But um, it's certainly going to survive, my brother and I. Sure. Uh, if, if we have... If we're fortunate enough to have a, a kid that wants to get into the business, I'm sure we would we would definitely pass it down. But you know, I, I think that does have a lot to do with it. Honestly, I think um, I think a lot of times companies are left to 
you know, siblings yeah. um, jointly and, and they just can't, they can't work it out. Like you just said, I, I don't know if I would be able to work with your brothers. I understand that. And I, and I hear that every day. I mean, people tell me all the time, like I, I couldn't even, I can't even sit at Thanksgiving with my company. Let alone three feet next to him for right? 50 hours a week. So, uh, that that's that's actually really interesting. So essentially, there was businesses. There's always family businesses that were never actually, for lack of a better term, married siblings. They were, were never, never they were never tied together. And honestly, I, I I firmly believe because here's the thing: if I look at my father and my uncle who had two separate businesses, um, you know, they were they were different personalities. No question yeah. about. It. Um, my uncle had a different thought pattern than my, than my father. My father always wanted to. So just to kind of elaborate and I, I don't want to go too long. I don't know how sure. much time, but my father was always the type to, to build a team around him and, and, and hire the, you know, people to, to, to help him. My uncle was always the type and, and there's nothing wrong with either way of these. Right. And I, and I fully respect both aspects of this. My uncle was always the type that if I want to do it myself, I want to be there I want to be hands-on and he, to this day, he is that way. Extremely successful in what he does. I think it's because of the way he is. Yeah. As I said, there's nothing wrong with either way. They, they yeah. were complete opposites. Yeah. And I don't think they would jive together. Yeah. If they were, if they were partners in business, it may not have survived because of their differences in theory. Yeah. That, that, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, if it, it, to be able to run two businesses, two separate ways is a lot easier than run one business. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, when you look back at your career, mm-hmm. what do you think the lowest point was? For sure. I mean, this goes without saying the lowest point is when my father passed away. I mean, as I said, I was 28, my brother was 31. Um, we were kind of young in the industry Till today, we still have people that work for my father that still work for us today. Mm-hmm. We have people that have been here 30, 40 years. It was tough. I mean, my father passed away young. As I said, he was like 52 years old. You know, when you're 40 years old, you look at that and you're like, holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Um, but, uh, you know, the hardest thing for my career was was that that day that, you know, he was no longer with us. and Sure. And you know, my brother and I were here and we were, we took the reins and here we are 28, 31. And we have employees that are working for us that are our father's age that our father hired and they're the same age as him. And it's like, this doesn't feel right. You know, and Mm -hmm. do they respect us? You know, we, we, you know, it it was always, you know, I I don't, and and honestly, never, ever did we get the feeling that they disrespected us. Sure. It was always that feeling like I'm, 30 years younger, 20 years younger than this guy. Yeah. Like how, how he, why should he respect me? It, you know what I mean? That's a little imposter syndrome a little bit where you think yeah. that, yeah, I get it. That makes a ton yeah. of sense. So that was by far the, the, the know, lowest the, point, the lowest part of my, my professional career. Well, let's, let's kind of flip to the, to the other side. So yeah, you've gotten to do a lot of fun things as yeah. f- for, for your job, for, as part of your business. Is there anything that sticks out as one of the most fun experiences that you've had? Yeah, I mean, the produce industry, and, and not everyone understands this because not everyone's in the produce industry, but 
produce industry is full of people that are just like-minded and just super cool and fun. And so we have, you know, several different shows every year prior to COVID, obviously. Sure. We would have shows every year that were just incredibly fun. I mean, Produce Marketing Association has a show every year, um, a retail show and a food service show. The food service show was always in Monterey, California, or, you know, San Francisco area where we would go out to California, you know, you could play golf at the, right. at the beach and all that. Um, but the people that, that are in this industry are phenomenal. And, you know, at that show, there's produce companies that'll put on private concerts for, you know, they had Kid Rock and they had Pitbull one year and they had, uh, you know, just different private concerts that with like 2000 people that's like at the house of blues in Orlando, you know, it's yeah. like, this is, uh, there, there's like hardly anyone here. And then the funny part was the, you know, as you know, uh, Pitbull is one of my favorites. And, um, one year they had Pitbull at this private concert and literally like <laughs> 60% of people had no idea who he was. And I was there like a teenage little girl. <laughs> Having a time of my life because there was only there was hardly anyone there. Yeah, and and, and like so a lot of the older people were like, "Who even is this guy?" Right. So I think you know the the travel and and uh, being able to connect with you know a lot of the people within the produce industry is that's that's the greatest thing for me. Yeah, that's it's you don't always get into industries that have a collegial relationship where people really want to help each other. So that's great that the produce industry is like that. It's totally like a fraternity. I mean, yeah. it's like my brother and I are, are good friends with like onion farmers and potato farmers and just different people within the industry. They're so like-minded that it's like, you know, I'm sure for you, if you go to a financial conference, it's not like your buddy, buddy, yeah. it's not, <laughs> some accountant. I, I can tell you Pitbull doesn't show up to those <laughs> <laughs> to talk about taxes. <laughs> well, let me ask you one more question before we, before we run out of time. So yeah, yeah. you, you have, you know, three, three young children. Yeah. Um, how obviously running a large corporation, a lot of employees. Yeah. How do you maintain your work-life balance? Yeah. So, um, I mean, as you know, I'm divorced. So, um, my main focus is that the time that I have my kids, I am a hundred percent focused on them. Hmm. Um, so pretty much when my kids are here, I'm not at work, um, with them, um, we're doing different things. And I think that's probably the greatest thing that came out of it is that it, it gave me a sense of realization that like you need to, be present for your kids. So the work-life balance for me to, to ask me is a little different than to ask, you know, someone who's in a marriage or, or things right. that, you know, it's like when I have my kids, I'm a hundred percent with them. Yeah. I mean, so you're all in when they're with you. I'm a, I'm all in when they're with me. I, yeah. mean, I mean, I'm, they're with me probably 40% of the time every other weekend. Um, I have them and every Thursday night I have them and every other Tuesday I have them for dinner. And it's just like, you know, I know they're coming at five and I'm at my house at 445 waiting Ready for them. For it's oh, yeah, it's so it's, great. No question. It's like, you know, my brother's like, all right, your kids are coming over tonight. Like he knows that I'm out. Like yeah. at 445. Now, when, when they're not coming over, I may be here till six o'clock and we might be in the kitchen drinking beers I, I, <laughs> <laughs> or, or we might be down, you know, talking about 
business. But uh, he knows like the days that, you know, the kids are coming. He says, I know the kids are coming today, so I'm out of here. And I'm 100% focused on them, which is, it's been great for me. I mean, um, I feel that's important. So that, That's great. Being yeah. present is really difficult. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, people that are married maybe don't understand the importance of that is being present when, when you are with your kids, like being super focused on the fact that they want you there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, and, and that's easy to, to uh, look beyond, you know what I mean? When you Absolutely. go home, you know, you're tired from work, you go home and it's like, uh, so fortunately for me, when I, when I know my kids are coming, I know that I'm going to be a hundred percent with them and, and I'm focused on them and, and, and only them. So that's great. Well, yeah. good. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I absolutely enjoyed it. It was, it was a great conversation. And yeah. um, if you'd like more information about Joe's business and to see how much fun they have at work or to get some great recipes, visit their website at tojo.com. And the next time you're in the grocery store, make sure you pick up some Tojo mushrooms. Thanks again, Joe. Cheers. Hi, Brian. Cheers. Thanks, bro. Thank you for listening to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by River's Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share a beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC.